episode of Freewheeling. I am Abby Mickey, and I'm your host. And I'm Kaylee Fretz, and I'm just here hanging out. Just, yeah. Second voice. I'm literally just here for the intro and some segues. Yeah. The rest of well, no, because I have you. questions for you, too. Do you? Yeah. So last episode, we talked a lot about relative energy deficiency periods and the stuff like that. I thought today we would do a little bit more cycling-centric topic, so that's mm. why I wanted you to, on. I know cycling. Yes, but specifically <laughs> gravel cycling, Ooh-hoo. because if there's anything I despise, it's riding my bike on gravel. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I needed you to be the positivity in my gravel speak. Because if there's anything that I love, it is riding my bike on gravel. Yeah, exactly. To the point where you founded uh, the Secret Road in I Boulder. Did. I did. Uh, it's top secret, so I can't actually talk about it on the podcast. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, I wouldn't say I run an event series because that implies that I like do work surrounding this event and like put it on. But I really just send an email out and people show up and we go have a good time. But I do love riding non-paved surfaces, so we can mm-hmm. we can certainly get into that. And it's bit. um, it's like half the fun is it's like not sanctioned. It's not an actual thing. There's no real results. Yeah, it's just fun. Sometimes I promise that there will be prizes, and then I don't actually give them to anybody. Yeah, but wasn't one year, it wasn't a prize one year. One time, wasn't a prize one of Tom's polka dot jerseys? It was, and that person actually got it. Nice. Well, that would be mean if you were like, you will win a polka dot jersey from the Tour de France, and then you're like, nope, we don't got that. Oh, sorry. Just made that up. (laughs) Abby, before we continue... I do need to do a bit of sort of intro thank yous, I would say. So this podcast, Freewheeling, we launched this, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be two weeks ago. And the reason why we were able to launch this podcast is that we had such an amazing response to our Velo Club membership drive. And the promise here was that uh, if we had a certain number of signups that we would give you a podcast, you would get your own podcast. I have a podcast now. Now you have a podcast. The sort of next step here is we will be able to provide on the ground coverage. So not just regular coverage, you know, uh, off of Twitter and things like that, but on the ground coverage with reporters at the bike races at pretty much all of the major women's races throughout the entire season. And then the final step, if we get a thousand new members and we are more than halfway there is full-time staff dedicated to that particular beat. So we have reporters sort of on a various beats. We're going to be hanging out with James a little bit later. For example, James is on the tech beat. We will have a reporter on the women's pro cycling beat. They'll obviously write about other things as well, but that'll be the primary focus. Mm -hmm. So if we get to a thousand members, we get that new full-time staffer, which personally, as the person who manages editorial here at Cycling Tips, I really want because I love having more editors to produce awesome content. To manage. Yeah, to manage. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, it will allow us to do the sort of content that we really want to be able to produce, which is super in-depth, really high-quality content around women's racing. So I wanted to first and foremost thank everybody who has already become a Velo Club member. Thank everybody who has supported this podcast already. You're awesome. However, we need more of you. So if you got friends who you think might be interested in this podcast or in all of our coverage, point them our direction. Call tell your them. call your mom. Tell her, hey, I got a thing that you will really enjoy. Specifically, my mom. Excuse me, Marlene Mickey. I know for a fact you haven't signed up yet. So support your daughter. <laughs> my mother has signed up. Actually, oh, your mom wins the mom yeah, award. My for mom today. wins the mom award. My mother has no idea what 
living. James's mom. <laughs> James James just yelled from the back. I don't think you can hear that on the mic here, but James just yelled that his mother doesn't know what he does for a living. <laughs> James, you've been doing it for about fifteen years. He might it might be time to tell her. Actually, he explained at some point. <laughs> anyway, anyway, like I said, thank you to all of our new Velo Club members. Thank you to all of our, our our old Velo Club members. We love all of you. You are massively important to everything that we do here at Cycling Tips. My only point in this whole spiel is that we need even more of you. The more of you that we have, the stronger Cycling Tips is. So get a friend to sign up. Also, make sure you point them at this podcast, at Freewheeling. Get them to subscribe so they don't miss a single episode. Yeah, that being said, because Kaylee didn't say thank you enough, I want to say thank you um, personally because y'all gave me a job. And also, if you're listening to this, hopefully that means you did subscribe, which is amazing. I like can't say thank you enough for that. It's really cool. Yeah. People listen to what we say. I know for a fact there's at least four people subscribed because they told me on Twitter. <laughs> so for those people, thank you. All right. That's enough thank yous and enough NPR pledge driving. Word. Let's talk about gravel. Yeah. So today is a really awesome episode. We have three different interviews for you today. So we got um, first Olivia Dillon, who works for Velocio, but is really big in the gravel scene. She almost won Dirty Kanza this year before, like right before the finish, basically getting like six flats. Oh. Yeah. Gravel. That is gravel. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I chatted. the love in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I chatted with her a little bit, and then I chatted with Jess Sarah, who was just recently a professional cyclist who retired and is now hosting a women's only gravel camp. So a camp for uh, women to basically learn how to ride gravel. And thirdly, the gravel queen herself, world champ, Allison Tetrick. Sounds like you need that camp. We talked a little. No. <laughs> she said, will you come? And I said, I might have something going on that week in January. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So I talked to Allison. We talked a little bit about gravel bikes, which I my theory is that the reason I hate gravel is because I've never ridden a bike that rides gravel. Hmm. So anyway, key. <laughs> yeah. Road bikes on gravel. When you're specifically told by your mechanic, don't ride this bike on gravel. Not fun for gravel. <laughs> <laughs> so you have an exciting, uh, exciting times ahead of you. Now that you're not a professional cyclist, you can ride whatever bike you want. I think you on have, gravel. On gravel, I think you have uh, you have a Trek Demane coming, right? Is that what Tom said? Um, that is the the hope. We're we're crossing our fingers that we can pull together that for mm. me. <laughs> anyway, this podcast is not sponsored by Trek. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I talked a lot about gravel on this episode and we talked a lot about different things with different people. But the reason that I want to talk to you about gravel is because you've kind of been around for a while and you've seen the beginning of gravel. So my question for you is why does it exist? <laughs> Just the hard hitting questions over here. I, I, I mean, why does it exist? It, it exists because... Uh, riding on the road, uh, either in reality or just because we hear about it more through social media seems to be getting more and more dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are trying to get off of the road and the easiest way to get off of the road with all the cars is sort of the next step. The next logical step is to find roads without cars and roads without cars are often not paved, particularly in a place like where we live here. Uh, second sort of reason I think is equipment. So the, the popularization of disc brakes on drop bar bikes opened up all sorts of opportunities for big fat tires and different geometry and things like that. And so it took the kind of traditional 
road bike, and all of a sudden, as with your Domane, which is a, a, a you know ostensibly a traditional road bike, but you can fit a 32 millimeter tire in there. That is like a baby step toward a real gravel bike, which probably fits more like a 45 millimeter tire. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, a couple years ago, not a couple years ago, we're at six, seven years ago when when disc brakes really started to show up on drop bars. All of a sudden, overnight, bikes got way more. Know, versatile, I guess. Your average road bike got way more versatile. There were already cross bikes. There were already small companies making gravel bikes, but then all of a sudden we had all these versatile bikes coming out from, from major brands. And now it's the fastest growing segment in the entire industry. I mean, just uh, this morning it was announced that Lifetime, which is this massive company. They uh, own Leadville 100, correct? They own Leadville. They bought Dirty Kanza last year, and Oof. they just bought Crusher and the Tusher. So we have corporate interest in these gravel events right now. It is the fastest growing part of the industry. From an equipment perspective, it's also the fastest growing participation side of things. It is, it's, it's, it's the biggest thing going right now. And I think, like I said, it's because it's a combination of people wanting to get away from cars, and all of a sudden the equipment is much more attainable, uh, easy to find. Yeah. The the whole industry is pushing it. So do you think the equipment shift came first or the, the people push for the equipment? Cause it Mm -hmm. sounds like you're saying the equipment came first and made it possible for it to kind of blow up. We, we have a, an equipment expert standing in the room. (laughs) Uh, James, you are here for another podcast we're making later. What, but what is your opinion on this particular issue? So I have a good friend, who holds the opinion of gravel is where you ride, not what you ride. And I guess I would say that, yes, there has been a huge explosion in the types of bikes that you can get, or I guess the style of gravel bikes that you can get. Um, But people have always ridden gravel, and I guess one of the biggest appeals of gravel riding is that, for a lot of people, there are a lot of gravel roads. And, you know, like... I, Abby, I guess not you because you have been told not to ride your road bike on gravel roads. But Kaylee, you and I yes. have, I think, always ridden our road bikes on terrain where we shouldn't be riding it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's really fun. And no one drives on them. And they're quiet. And they lead you to new places. And they're just really fun. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of the adventure factor is a lot higher in gravel than it is on the road. The adventure factor is definitely higher. You can explore a little bit more. Uh, y- you know, all of our boss... Wade Wallace, the founder of Cycling Tips, uh, in the sort of Melbourne scene, they're pretty road heavy until very recently. And so he came out to Boulder. Was this last year, James, I think? Like right after Sea Otter or something like that? A year before? I can't remember. Anyway, it was not that long ago. Two, I think it was two years ago. Not that long ago. And we're like, Wade, come, come ride with us and we'll do a little bit of gravel. And it wasn't even gravel gravel. It was just dirt road loop. And at one point, we're rolling up this hill and it's we're we're four wide right on on this climb because there's nobody around and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that we're four wide and doesn't four wide it doesn't matter that we're on the wrong side of the road it doesn't none of that stuff matters because there's no cars anywhere mm-hmm. and and he just sort of like looked up and was like guys i get it like i get it we are hanging out we're chatting we are this is more social really than any sort of you know hardcore road group ride kind of thing where you're just trying to pound each other in the face even an easy road group ride, because you're still going to be, you know, pushed over to the right side of the road and, and maybe riding two abreast, but definitely no more than that. You can, you can, you know, you can have a whole group of friends together and, and go ride on these gravel roads and just hang out on bikes. And I think that's a, that's pretty, 
with with the uh, the sort of ease of access of the equipment that I was talking about, those two things combined, all of a sudden you have uh, the recipe for a an explosion and a not a whole new type of riding, but for a lot of people, a whole new type of riding. Which kind of is a really good segue into my chat with Olivia Dillon because we talked a lot about the the scene at gravel races and a lot about the appeal for the gravel racing specifically is that it's it's really fun to go. Like the people are fun to hang out with. The general setting of the races is fun in a different way from road, but it's just um, a really laid back atmosphere. So let's hear what Olivia has to say. Welcome back to Freewheeling with Abby Mickey, a cycling tips podcast spinoff. I'm here for the second episode and we're talking road and gravel. And I have called upon a couple experts, one of them being Olivia Dillon, ex-professional cyclist who now works for Velocio and uh, races, races gravel. So, hey, how's it going? Hi, Abby. How are you? Pretty good. Just hanging out. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about First of all, so you retired in 2015, and when did you start racing gravel after you retired from the road? Um, Yeah, well, I would say I was kind of already racing some of it because in Northern California, where I live in Fairfax, we have like the Grasshopper Adventure Series, um, which has been going on for a very long time, and they have a mix of you know road events, mixed terrain, and and mountain bike. Um, So it was always kind of a nice way to do some before our road racing actually started do some of those events early in the year um so i kind of had piqued my interest early um and then when i retired in 2015 i was um you know ready to be done on the road racing side uh, for a few reasons but um not ready to be done like doing things competitively or continuing to have like just an interest um, and it turned out there's lots of great events going on, both mountain bike and, and gravel. And, um, so I just started to explore things and what was fun was that I could now do it on my own schedule. Uh, I think when you're, you know, part of a team and road racing, um, you're certainly on another schedule. Um, and since I was working full time at Velocio, it was nice to just kind of pick and choose where I wanted to go and, and try new adventures. Apart from being able to kind of control your own schedule, what what do you see is the biggest appeal of gravel? Um, the atmosphere. It's, you know, uh, giving lost and found. As an example, we would you go up there. It's a 100-mile race in the, in the La Sierra area, and you go up for the weekend, essentially, and camp out by a lake uh, with all your friends. Um, and, you know, everyone gets up there, and they – uh, have the event on, on Saturday and camp Saturday night and Sunday. So it's, um, just a really fun environment and, and atmosphere. And, um, and they're all, you know, mass start events, which is very different, uh, to what we're used to in, in road racing in terms of the women's road races, you know, it's just all women. So, and whereas this is obviously more individual and involves all, all levels and sorts starting together. Um, but atmosphere is key. It's, you know, it's kind of for everyone. Everyone has their own personal challenge. There's people who are at the pointy end of the race that really care about racing it. Others are out to, you know, ride a hundred miles in gravel for the first time or, 
you know, try to do it in under a certain amount of time or, or just be out there with their friends and, you know, enjoy the experience. So I think it's really welcoming. Do you see, I guess the only comparison you can make to something on the road is maybe Grand Fondos. It seems like road racing at the moment in the U.S. is kind of on a downward, downward spiral. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I mean, one of the appeals, obviously, is you're off road with this. So, um, you know, from a safety perspective, from a, you know, people not wanting to be riding with cars and putting themselves in that position, um, you know, different areas of the country, or it varies, but like, there's nothing more peaceful and enjoyable than, than riding off road and, um, and local trails and being away from cars. And so I think that's been a big appeal, um, I think, uh, to people so that, you know, even if they're not even going to race, they're at least starting to ride off-road more on, on gravel bikes or mountain bikes. Um, and I think with gravel than racing, maybe the barrier to entry is a lot, it's just a lot lower um, um, because, you know, it's a lot of teams on that with, with road racing, uh, a lot less individuals. So you don't need to be part of a team to, to go do a gravel event or, um, and again, you don't need to have, uh, you don't have to be at the pointy end of the race. You don't have to be hugely competitive. Um, so there's all sorts of people doing it. I mean, when I went to dirty Kansas this year, one of, uh, what struck me was cause I had, I worked the expo for Velocia for the two days beforehand. So I was able to meet a lot of different people, um, you know, who came in and I would always just ask them, you know, what they were doing. And it goes from people doing the 25 mile, the 50, the hundred, some people who had, you know, already done the 200 five times. Um, but like it was kind of their go to a lot of people from the Midwest and it was their go to event for the year. Um, and yeah, it just has such kind of mass appeal. Um, because barriers to entry are low and it's just a super fun atmosphere. So it's, it's kind of hard to answer what road racing needs to do. Um, you know, I guess if we compare directly to what happens in Northern California, uh, you know, I grew up or when I started, I did all of the local races here and the scene was amazing. Um, and there were so many races going on. So we, you were able to race every weekend, even if it meant traveling, you know, three hours to the Central Valley. It was it was super fun. Um, I think part of it, um, then that became, or in, in recent years, there was almost too many events, and then you know participation was dropping. So I think if they they probably should reduce the number of events and, and start um, just really promoting those heavily. But I know like some of the teams around here try to do both now, um, mix in a bit of gravel racing and then also still continue to road race. Um, so I think that flexibility helps too. And and possibly, you know, the, there's been, you know, women's teams that have been dying off recently, but I think it could be good if they, you know, when they're looking for sponsorship and that maybe they mix things up and they're more of a uh, doing both Um kind of set up so that kind of they're covering covering a few grounds yeah i mean we even saw saw men's world tour teams doing the big gravel events last year so it makes sense just with the number of people that are competing in the gravel races to there's a lot of exposure that teams could get from participating in events like that 
yeah, for sure. It seems like the sponsors are really enjoying and the bike industry in general, enjoying this explosion and they're all trying to uh, find a way to be part of it. So it's kind of like, like cyclocross used to be, I feel like cyclocross used to be the, the fun event that people would retire from road and start racing cross. And it was this big, basically a big party and, and now it's gravel. So do you see, in the future, people starting to take gravel a lot more seriously and the events getting more professional in a way and less popular? Or do you think because of the different, the, the scale of the races and the how you can kind of choose your own adventure as far as how you want to approach the race, that it'll kind of keep being a, a fun experience if that's what you want it to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely tried the cyclocross thing post career. <laughs> it didn't work out. It's kind of not my strong suit. So. Um, it's brutal. That's- yeah, I, uh, but I hope you know that continues to grow too. Obviously, it has a you know um, very much a place in in that post pro uh, field, or or you know even as an alternative completely. Um, but yeah, I really. I hope the gravel uh, continues to to stay on the fun side of things. Um, you know, I certainly don't take it too seriously and really go for the like experience. And a lot of those races, it's a lot about luck and, and how you, um, you know, how your equipment stands up. Um, so, yeah, going in with um, being too serious about it is not really the point. Um so I do think it will stay this way because um, as long as, you know, the, the races still continue to cater to everybody, um, uh, which is important. I think the pointy end of the race is going to continue to get more competitive and I don't see there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, um, I think you'll even see in 2020, I bet there's a lot more ex-professional women who will be joining in and, and same on the men's side. Um, and that's all great, but like, you know, let's continue to have, um, the different distances for other people and, um, yeah, you know, continue to cater to, to everybody so that it, be, it continues to be this, um, kind of catch all, um, of fun activity for people. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah, no problem. Sweet. So that was Olivia Dillon. Um, incredible human being. If you want to follow her, I highly recommend following her on Instagram because she's entertaining. And then the second chat we had was with Jess Sarah. So Jess recently was riding for Haggins Berman, um, retired at the end of this year, but is starting a camp for women to kind of get into gravel that you need to go to that I will not be going to. I actually, I would love to go because Jess is cooking and she is a chef. So like her primary job is she goes to like, I think Ironman's and cooks for, for some of the athletes. Sounds sweet. Yeah. So I would go just for the food, not for the gravel, <laughs> um, but We're yeah, convert you. We are going to do it. I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen. I, <laughs> I think that it's just, I really like to go fast I like to you go, can fast. go fast on gravel. It just takes a lot more effort to go fast on gravel. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, you can go. We'll show you. We'll get there. We got a whole year. So here's Jess. <laughs> well, 
This is Abby Mickey, and I have a special guest on today, Jess Sarah. How you doing? Hi, Abby. I'm doing great. I'm actually out in Hawaii right now, so no complaints. That's awesome. I've never been, but it looks like it would be a really cool place to go. Yeah, it's one of the perks of being a private chef. Uh, sometimes, sometimes your clients want to go to Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> and the riding here is phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard is like the riding is really good. And I remember there was a an Optum rider that started doing cycling camps down in Hawaii at one point. And so like all the guys on the team went down there one year, like before I was on the team. Um, and like, yeah, and they were like posting a bunch of photos. And I was like, oh man, riding Envy, so much riding Envy. Yeah, I think it's Alex Candelaria. Yeah, that's right. And I always wondered like, what what is it with Maui that it was so cool? Now I know because I've been doing all the riding. I'll add it to the list of places that we need to go. Actually, maybe I'll pitch it to the um, Velo Club, the Cycling Tips Velo Club, as one of our trips that we do for cycling tips. I would highly recommend. You won't be disappointed. So we're here today to talk a little bit about the kind of... Um, not to sound melodramatic, but the dying road scene in the United States and the growth of gravel. Um, so yeah, it was announced recently that the tour of California is going away for next year. And I mean, we can hope that the, it's just a one year thing and it'll come back because they said they're just taking a hiatus, but, um, we've seen a lot of races take a hiatus and never come back. I'm thinking mostly of like Philly, the Philadelphia classic, that race, that race was sweet. Um, and they took a hiatus and then we're never seen again. Um, so most likely that is what will happen with California, although we don't know. Um, but then an article came out recently that highlighted what races would be UCI for the women in the United States next year. And it is pretty much just three races. It's just Joe Martin, um, and the Colorado classic and then Kristen Armstrong's time trial, which is invite only. So not as big a race as the other two. So that's why we're here to talk about that. Yeah. It's, it's not looking very great. And I feel I'm very, I have fond memories as you do of racing together, but against each other. And I mean, the, the scene was really awesome. We got to experience probably some of the best times for, American racing and for the women specifically. So to see our friends who are still in the Peloton trying to make a living out of this or a livelihood and to see it kind of fall apart is it's really stinks for them. But, um, it's also interesting that we both decided to make a transition this year. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for that. And I think that, uh, the positive movement with gravel and these other types of alternative races and these new scenes is, is really good. Um, and it's getting a lot of traction. Yeah. So hand in hand with the conversation about how road cycling in the U S and not just for the women, for the men, it's also a really, um, dire situation, I think in road racing in the United States, but hand in hand with that is the growth of gravel. And we joked about this on the cycling tips podcast about how the number one race in the U S now is dirty Kansas, but it's kind of true. And now we've got, for example, they just announced that there's going to be a two day 
race called Lead Boat, which is Leadville and the Steamboat Gravel Race, the back to back. So it's 250 miles of gravel in two days. Um, and so there's this huge growth about of gravel racing in the U.S. right now. Yeah, and I think I actually read that article where they interviewed Amy Charity, who um, is the organizer of the steamboat race, and how they kind of solved that problem of, uh-oh, we, we need to share the same weekend. What are we going to do? And they came up with a pretty pretty cool idea, I think. It sounds really hard, though. <laughs> It sounds awesome. I, she texted me and was like, Hey, any interest? And I was like, no. And then she, and then I was thinking about it for like two hours. I texted her back and I was like, actually, (laughs) I do have interest because it sounds horrible. And that is right up my alley. (laughs) So are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Oh man. Like 10 days after I get married. So it'd be a little bit tight as far as flying back in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so there's this huge growth of gravel and kind of hand in hand with that, you are starting up a camp uh, with your um, ex-teammate, Whitney Allison, to kind of explore gravel. So tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. And the really interesting thing, and just so everyone can understand like why I'm even qualified to lead a gravel camp, um, my background, where I came from was Xterra off-road triathlon. And then I, that was a segue into two years of professional mountain biking. Um, and when I did that, I was dabbling in the gravel events that were really new back at the time when only maybe four or 500 people would show up to an event. And the Belgian waffle ride was one of the first, um, of its kind and it's local. It's in my backyard. And because I was doing the endurance and marathon mountain biking, I, I did that race and I won it in 2013. And, of course, that was the year that all I wanted to do was transition into road racing. I had so many friends in road racing, and it was something I never tried. So it's that was the direction I ended up going. And I look back at that, and it's it's kind of funny that I, I took that direction. But full circle, um, here I am transitioning out of road racing back to gravel now. And I am hosting a camp. It is going to be in Encinitas, California, where I live. Um, It's a three-day camp running January 24th through January 26th. It's a Friday through a Sunday. And we're calling it Gravia Femenina, which was kind of a a fun name that my boyfriend made up because he speaks Spanish. And I was looking for a catchy name. And he said, well, gravel is feminine in Spanish. So we just, we came up with that. And Uh, The tagline is an intro to gravel for endurance women. So I think what we're focusing on is there's so many women out there who race, who have experience in triathlon or have experience in endurance. And when they try to make a switch into something new, you kind of always have to start as a beginner. And so you don't really get like a fun, badass weekend of hard riding and kind of like a challenge where you can still learn. And so our idea is to combine both of those into one weekend. And with that being said, we know it's the off season. So we're not encouraging people to come and 
hammer through the camp, but we are, we're going to offer two challenging adventure days on Saturday and Sunday after a skills day on Friday, where we'll do, um, a shorter ride, but we'll do about two hours of skills where we cover different terrain, um, descending, climbing, you know, falling over, not falling over, being in the sand, what mud, whatever it may be. Um, we're going to work on all of that. Uh, another highlight of the camp is that I will be cooking dinners on Friday and Saturday. So um, anyone who comes will get the homemade dinners and I'm going to do a wine pairing with the dinners. And on Saturday after the ride, we're having a uh, core power yoga, do a sunset yoga on the deck of a bike shop that overlooks the ocean in my neighborhood. So we kind of thought about it from a bunch of different angles, like what would women really be interested in doing? Like, how would they want to spend their entire weekend? And I was thinking riding, wine, food, yoga. That's what I would want to do. So that's how we planned it. <laughs> this sounds awesome. I actually really want to come now. You're totally invited. That would be so much fun. I think you but- should since you're doing lead boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to start training for that like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, why do you think that gravel is so appealing right now to not just women, but in general, there's like a huge growth in the gravel scene. And I'm just wondering why, why gravel? So I think, and not to be negative, but I think sometimes like you see a lot of pro athletes like myself and you switching because we get a little burnt out with the sanctioned sports. I mean, right. it's, <laughs> We, we haven't really seen a lot of positive things, and it's very indicative of the direction of road racing right now. And so you come from that, and it's, it's kind of a new, refreshing take on just a little more open style of expressing yourself on a bike. Um, and I think that that's really um, fun and appealing to people. I also think that sort of vibe carries over into the environment as a whole. It's usually like a community putting it on and you really feel that community sense when you're there because you're watching volunteers who live in these communities because they love living there. And it gives the events a really special vibe and that trickles down to all the athletes. And I, uh, I went out and I did Rooted Vermont, which is a gravel race put on by Ted and Laura King in Vermont. And I did their inaugural event last year. And Allie Legg, um, who raced for 2020 for some time, she was there. And it was her first gravel event. Um, and we were at like a welcoming party before the race. And pretty much every athlete there was drinking a beer and then eating a creamy. And she looked at me and she said, Jess, this is really different than road racing. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, (laughs) it's so cool because it's just like this laid back vibe and people still train hard and they take it seriously. And I mean, you can make a good living at doing it, but there's something about that community aspect and the challenge of going on a vision quest and any of these events because they're so long And then also the feeling that like, if you're out there and something goes wrong, probably like 20 people are going to try and stop and help you. So I think it's all of those things put together. um, And and that's what makes it so exciting. 
That's really cool. I mean, it kind of sounds a little bit like um, collegiate racing in a way, which I'm very fond of collegiate racing because it was very much like a laid back community fun atmosphere. But once the race started, you were serious. But the second it was done, you weren't anymore. It was just back to the, you know, fun loving, pass me a beer situation. So it kind of sounds like a return to that. Well, I didn't race in college, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think like somewhere along the line, we, we get lost from that. And again, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had and I really enjoyed my time, but I, I think I'm, I'm ready to, to kind of do something different. Yeah. So I'll, I'll include in the show notes and on the website, a link to how to sign up for this, but it sounds like it's amazing. And if you're looking to get into gravel, which is the new hip thing in the U S uh, as far as the, the scene, the cycling scene goes, it's, it's gravel and grand fondos from here on out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And if you're not sure, but you like to challenge yourself and you want to rent a gravel bike, I can help you get a gravel bike to rent. So if you're that person that's like, Hmm, that sounds really cool, but I don't know if I want to commit to a $6,000 bike right now then we have, we'll have bikes available. Perfect. So yeah, even if you're, if you aren't equipped to do gravel, you can go to the camp, see how you feel about gravel. And if you, if it turns out you really don't like gravel, at least you got some like damn good food out of it. Yeah. And, and you'll get Joe J bars, which is my energy bar company. While, while we're riding, we'll have full SAG support. We'll have full, um, lunch, uh, all nutrition, including the Joe J bars and water and electrolytes and everything. So you pretty much don't have to worry about a thing. That's awesome. Well, Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me and I hope I get to see you at your gravel camp. That'd be awesome. I do too. That would be amazing. Thanks for taking the time today and for doing something positive for, for the women's side. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. So that was Jess. I hope you enjoyed that little chat. She talked a lot about the, uh, the camp that she's doing. And to my knowledge, there's still a couple open spots. So check it out. One fewer now though. Cause we just signed Abby up. Lies. I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this. <laughs> <laughs> so the final, uh, final today f- for interviews is with Allison Tetrick, who is the 2018 gravel world champion and has won a bunch of other stuff, including dirty Kanza and many a thing. She's she's basically like kind of pioneered women in gravel, I think. One of the pioneers for sure. Actually, yeah. question. Mm. Is gravel as big in Europe as it is in the US? It's catching up. Cool. Same same in Australia. They're, they're sort of a couple years behind. Uh kind of unclear why it hit the US first, although the US does tend to the US market does tend to lead in a lot of that stuff. I have uh, a theory. 29er mountain bike wheels. Like, oh, there's all sorts of things that we've sort of been a couple years ahead on. My theory, right off the top of my head, would be because road isn't as big here, mm. but riding bikes is just as big. Yeah. Like, riding bikes is super popular, but more for a different kind of demographic than it is in Europe. And we have a lot of gravel roads here, particularly here in the West. Yeah, true. Let's hear from Allison Tetrick. 
I am back with another awesome guest today. I have Allison Tetrick. Hi, guys. Abby, I'm stoked to be here with you. Thank you so much. So um, just to start start the ball, ball rolling, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your road career because this episode is about gravel racing, but prior to that, you, you raced road. Yeah, I raced professional road um, at the world tour level for about 10 years. Abby, you were actually my teammate for a couple of those years, so I got you climb, climbing the ranks, literally climbing up all the mountains, so super stoked to have been your teammate, and yeah, I raced all over the world a couple years full-time in Europe, and about 2017, I started transitioning to racing gravel and kind of leaving the road behind, and I really haven't looked back since, so once I started racing gravel, I won Dirty Kanza uh, three times at Gravel Worlds and several gravel events around the world, so I just am really loving that scene right now. And when you stopped racing road and jumped right into gravel, what was the reasoning behind starting gravel right away? Um, I love riding my bike a whole lot. And so after racing so many years of road and traveling around and I really didn't have many other goals that were that interesting to me on the road, but I didn't love my bike any less. So I was looking for another adventure and physical challenge as an athlete. And there was something about gravel that was just calling me a lot of my good friends. Um, I live in Petaluma, California, and Yuri Hoswald is out here. He's one dirty Kanza. And I used to ride with Rebecca Rush a lot. And they kept saying, you know, come out and do these events with us, you know, get on the dirt. It's safer. It's, you know, more fun. And so there was just kind of that draw. And also, since I love to ride my bike a lot, um, <laughs> these events are typically pretty long. So it kind of caters to my strengths. And it was just a challenge I hadn't done yet. And also very inclusive challenge and kind of surrounded about around community and hanging out and sharing the day with people you like. Yeah. What was, um, when, when, when I talked to Olivia, she talked a lot about the community at gravel races and that the appeal for her is a lot of, you get to be with your friends. So for you, do you see a huge difference in racing gravel and racing road when it comes to the people that, that you get to hang out with? Yes, I think the the difference is um, there's rad people, of course, on the road, and there's rad people in mountain biking and gravel, and you know anyone on a bike is probably pretty cool. Well, most of the time, <laughs> and you know we had a lot of fun on the road together as teammates, um, and you know you you had friends like in different teams, and you met cool sponsors and industry partners, but I think with gravel racing, since it's these mass start races couple thousand of your best friends and you all do the same race, same event at the same time, it's really increases your opportunity to interact with a much broader range of people than just this elite professional level. So for me, it takes us off this pedestal of a closed course and doing this really high profile event and just kind of joining the masses. And then it doesn't matter if you finish several hours ahead or behind somebody, you still conquer the day together. And so I think it just makes it more about the challenge and the adventure of it versus a spectator sport. And you don't really have have teammates in gravel, right? Because you're kind of doing your own, you've got your own sponsors and you've got your own setup and it's pretty rare to, to have a teammate. So it's kind of like 
you're out there, choose your own adventure, doing it solo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can go out and you can ride as hard as you want and you could, you know, finish as fast as you want, or you could just hang out and enjoy the day and join the party bus in the back too. So there's just more opportunity to kind of tackle the day the way you want to. And so you don't have to race every event. You can also just be a really happy participant. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a different, a different situation from road, but not, not exactly better, just different. And, um, what was it like when you won dirty Kansas for the first time? Cause we've made jokes and I'm pretty sure I've already said it on this episode with tour California being canceled and all of these races kind of falling, falling apart a little bit at the seams. It, we've made the joke a couple times on the podcast that dirty Kansas is kind of the biggest race in the U S right now and you've won it. So what was that like? Yeah. When I won Dirty Kanza, I was still racing on the road for silence pro cycling. And I remember asking my director if I could race Dirty Kanza. And he said, well, yeah, but you have to race the Amgen Tour California the week before. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. Um, So it was a pretty um, incredible experience. And it kind of just opened a whole bunch of doors of opportunity and gave me a bigger limit to my physical ability because prior to riding those 206 miles, I'd never ridden over 120 miles and I knew I could do it, but at that speed and with that level of difficult conditions and, and on a bike, you know, a new bike and off road, it was a very unique experience. But when I woke up the next morning, just completely smashed and so sore and achy and like with the best bike hangover in the world, I was like, oh man, I found a new limit versus racing road, which didn't ever make me as tired. And this was going, oh, I have a new physical limit I can keep achieving towards and I want to see what I can do with that. And so after that, I, I knew the next year I could um, be able to work with Specialized and to represent them at gravel events all over the world the next, the next several years. <laughs> Yeah. And like specialized, you, you see like gravel started to get popular and now there's all these bike brands that are making like gravel specific bikes, which kind of speaks to how popular it's becoming as a, as a part of cycling now. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's good for our industry and it's good for our sport. And there's something that it's always going to be wonderful about road racing and always will be and all the other disciplines but to kind of invent a new discipline like gravel riding, um, it's helping our industry. They're creating new bikes. They're selling those bikes. And we're bringing more people into cycling from either other disciplines within cycling or either or other people that just see the fun and see the sense of adventure and a challenge. So I think ultimately it's good if we love bikes to be able to keep creating opportunities for people to come and join our sport and also for our sport to benefit from that. And do you see with the growth in like how, how open gravel can be for more people and everything, where do you see it going in the future? Cause right now it's, it's booming. Yeah. I don't think we're at the crux of the bell curve quite yet. I think gravel is going to continue to grow in the foreseeable future. I do think what we're going to see is probably some more variety, maybe more gravel races that are steering towards that 
race vibe. And then I think we will still have the grungy grassroots gravel events that are a little bit more about the adventure. And so I hope to see that also staying a part of the sport where it doesn't just go into full race mode, because I do think we need to just keep them fun because that's also what is going to be attractive to bring more people on a bike. Um, so I do think it's going to keep changing and evolving. You know, bikes are constantly changing and evolving and the equipment and research that we do at specialized around gravel is so impressive and the bikes are just constantly getting better for us to tackle varying conditions and um, also on mixed terrain. So it's not just all gravel. We're adding, you know, maybe it's obstacles, maybe some more road, you know, and needs kind of these mixed terrain adventure races. So there's a ton of opportunity there. What's the, how important is it to have a gravel bike when you want to, if you're like, say someone out there is thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to my first gravel event, but I don't know if I want to like find a bike for it. I kind of just want to do it on my road bike hike, how important is it to have a gravel bike in terms of, you know, comfort and making the most of the experience? Yeah, I would like to uh, like to encourage people to go out and try the events and not be intimidated by needing all the fanciest, best equipment out there. So I think ultimately, you want a bike to have a positive day. And that doesn't mean you need the fanciest bike or to buy a new bike, but you, you don't want to be flatting, I guess would be my first suggestion is if you show up on your road bike and you're doing a pure gravel ride, you know, and it's really rocky, perhaps your better option is just to do it on your mountain bike with smaller like diameter tires or something, because like you really want to end the day positively with being at least prepared for the condition. So doing a little research on that and asking people that have done the event, because we don't want to sit here and have people have to go out, buy all these new bikes and then not like it or something like that. But you do want to set yourself up for success in the best way you can. But also just part of part of gravel is, is there sometimes there's just not the most perfect bike for every condition that that day will throw out at you. So you just kind of have to be prepared for anything. So that's, Really, it's taught me a lot um, for that, especially for the longer events, you know, preparation on your equipment, your nutrition, navigation, you know, it's, it's a day. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, the with the growth of gravel, I think, like, because you need to be a little bit more prepared when you're doing a gravel ride or something, you have, like, a lot of people started wearing fanny packs. And now you see, like, fanny packs a lot on the road, too. So it's kind of like the fashion is transferring over. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's fun. You know, it just not taking yourself too seriously. I just do try to be prepared because no one wants to be sitting on the side of the road. So if you have that fanny pack and you have a donut in there, then I mean, you're having fun. So there's that. Heck yes. <laughs> do you remember at tour of the Gila in 2014 when Mari Holden got us donuts after the time trial? Yeah. And that made our day. We were so yeah, excited. But I such think, a good day. I think your parents like came and brought us cookies, which might have might have opportunity on that one. Yeah, my mom. My mom made like cookies for every day of the race or something crazy like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It was awesome to chat with you about gravel. You're the gravel queen, so to have you on this episode is really great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on board.
have it. Gravel. Gravel. I'm Road. almost converted already. Yeah, you are. I'm not. But we'll see. We'll see if once grudding. I'm out there on the road, grudding. gravel, grode, Grud. once I'm out there on, I kept trying to call it like, oh yeah, grode world champ, but that's not a thing. It's gravel. It is yeah, technically. You're, yeah. you're the grode king, <laughs> not to be confused with the gravel king, which is Ted King, which is, uh, no, the gravel king's a tire actually. Wow. Fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, no, actually Ted King uses the word grode. His oh, whole wow. series is called grode to Kansas. Okay, cool. He, he sent me an, it was, it was very, um, it was very nice of him. He sent me a message on Instagram. He was like, Hey, do you mind if I use the word road? And I was like, I, of course. Wow. That's mind. really nice. Yeah. Cause I know that, very um, pro of him. Phil Guyman is the cookie monster, but so is Taylor Wiles. And that is oh. a hot topic right there. <laughs> Who's the real cookie monster. We're not going to solve it on this podcast. Mm, we'll leave that for another episode. Yep. So thanks so much for listening to this second episode of freewheeling. I'm Abby Mickey. Go sign up for Velo club. I'm Kaylee Fritz. Thanks for listening. May the force be with you. No, <laughs> you were supposed to. You had you had a whole two weeks to come up with a catchphrase. Job. <laughs> catchphrases are really hard to come up with. See, like Zach on the spot, come up with a catchphrase. <laughs> Zach he is can't. the Zach is the owner of the shop that we've commandeered for this recording because we can only record in bike shops. <laughs> anyway, what happened here? That's a good catchphrase for this podcast. What happened here? (laughs) And with that, we really should be done. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.